Hey there, it's Luke. Welcome to a summer edition of the Live Wire podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful and relaxing summer. I am, mostly, I think. I've been traveling a lot, um, but I've also been having some fun while traveling. I went to the New Jersey Seashore with my Philly family. We went down the shore, as you do in those parts. That was pretty fun. Um, We are putting some really cool shows together for you this fall. We're already booking amazing guests, and we're going to be traveling to different places, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Um, But as we've been looking forward to the fall season of Livewire, our producer, Laura Haddon, has also been combing back through some of the Livewire archives, and she hit upon this little piece of tape, which she forwarded to me and said, would you feel okay about us playing this and uh and i listened to it and i thought eh, what the heck so here it is this is 2013 it's my first time ever on stage at livewire this is where things are gonna get uh a little awkward or maybe i should say more awkward um you see i'm sort of a last minute uh fill-in host here and i was supposed to actually be a guest on this show And the producers, for some mysterious reason, wanted to leave in the segment where I was going to be interviewed. Which brings us to the segment we're calling Burbank on Burbank. I want you to know I was doing this years before Clint Eastwood ruined... The whole thing. Okay, so I've worked in radio for about 15 years, and I've interviewed former presidents, and I've staked out gang shootings in Compton, California, but by far and away the thing that I'm probably most well-known for is conducting one of the worst interviews in music history. It was with an Icelandic band called Sigaros. Uh, And fortunately or unfortunately for all of you, it's on YouTube, and we have it here tonight. So let me just sort of set this up for you. These guys are from uh, Iceland. I'm actually a huge fan of their music, but I was very nervous talking to them before the interview because they seemed a a little bit quiet, a little taciturn. I had practiced saying their names hundreds and hundreds of times to myself on the subway going to work because I didn't want to mess it up. And I kind of felt like the lead singer was sort of giving me a weird vibe because he wouldn't look me in the eye. Although later I learned he actually has a lazy eye. (laughs) So there was a certain amount of just confusion on my part going into the interview sort of right away. So... Let's, uh, let's just roll a little, a little bit of this magic that is me interviewing Sigaros. Sigaros is Jon Bergesen on guitars and vocals, Kjartan Svensson on keyboards, Ori Pal Djarsan on drums, and I'm nailing it so far. Bass. How did I do with those names, guys? Oops, pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, fine. Okay. Uh, did you start out playing this kind of music, or did you start out as a more people might think regular sounding band and then did you kind of go here as you experimented? <laughs> I, don't know, I, think, I think we probably just started out playing like this. 
I mean, what was the first... All right, hold on a second. If we can just pause the tape now. Okay, I'm getting off to a little bit of a slow start with these guys. <laughs> Admittedly. But I'm a professional journalist for National Public Radio. I have a long list of questions. Uh, I feel like I can get through to these guys. So I soldier on. First time that you guys sat down with your instruments and started playing, did you have this thought, we want to create this very specific kind of music? Because the stuff that you make doesn't sound like a lot of other stuff that's out there. Or did you, I mean, did you, did you get to that right away? Yeah. I think we probably did. <laughs> I don't think we, you know, we didn't sit, sit down and, and talk about, oh, we want to play this type of music or something. It just happened naturally. And how do you guys create a song? Create a song. Does one person start playing... One instrument. It should be pointed out, by the way, that I've now, at this point in the interview, what, I don't know what it is, a, a minute in, I've exhausted all of my pre-written questions. <laughs> so we're just kind of flying blind here. <laughs> I, I later on talked to a rock journalist who explained to me that I was doing everything wrong in this interview, which is fairly apparent if you're watching it, um, because uh, she said her trick is when she talks to a band... What I was doing was I was just throwing the answers or the questions out there for like anyone to answer and it turned out no one wanted to answer them. But what she said you got to do is talk to the drummer because nobody ever talks to the drummer. <laughs> and the drummer is always really excited that someone's paying attention to them. What do you guys say? You guys have been rotating around on the drums. I mean, would you be excited if somebody talked to you? Sure, but you notice that the drummer left. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think he was scared of this moment. Yeah. Well, okay, so I, I, I'm having one of those moments, and I don't know if you've had these in sort of your jobs, where you're like a duck. Above the water, things are relatively calm-looking, but under the water line, your feet are going totally insane, trying to figure out how to make an openly hostile Icelandic band <laughs> say more than three words. You know, like at your work. Um, Let's, 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 let's listen to some more of this travesty. Everyone else starts to kind of add into that. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Did you think you would be the kind of band that sold two million records? I, yeah, I don't think we, you know, we don't really expect anything, so. <laughs> what did you guys, I mean, what, obviously, at some point, you decided to get in the same room and start playing music with each other. What was the By the way, I don't know w w why at this point in the interview I've started yeah. more or less whispering to them. <laughs> it's like, I'm just afraid of them. <laughs> I feel like if I get quieter, somehow they'll just maybe try to answer one of these questions. Yeah, basically it. <laughs> Want to make music? Could you have ever imagined, though, that it would become this sort of big phenomenon that it's become? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, like I said, uh, I don't think we really expect anything. We just we just playing the music. Anything happens. Always good. Whatever it is. Are you enjoying life as a as a you know, successful band that gets to tour the world and be a part of fascinating interviews like this? Is it fun? <laughs> yeah. 
lots of travelling, just tiring as well. So, but go a few circles around the world. And most of the time, play some good shows and stuff like that. So that's yeah, quite interesting. Now, now here's the thing. I got to say, so when I pitched this interview in the meeting to the people on the show, what I said was, I there's one thing about this band that you guys will want to hear about, which is that they sing in a made-up language sometimes, which is called Hopelandic. This is a real thing that they have made up. So I don't know if it's a real thing, but they sometimes sing in imaginary or like made-up words. And I was admittedly things are not going great so far in the interview but i felt like if i could just if i could just get to the question where i asked him about the hope land the hopelandish that then he would give me this great answer the lead singer and that it would sort of save everything and i won't torture you with making you watch the next four minutes of the tape but i finally got to this moment in the interview where i was going to get to ask the question that was going to turn everything around and sort of save the interview, and I asked him about this language, and his answer was, and I quote, it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> and so I have now, I've, this, this video has been viewed uh, like a few hundred thousand times online. About 100,000 uh, of those are me crying to myself. Uh, drunk, late at night, <laughs> looking at my laptop. Um, and I've gone back over it many times in my mind trying to figure out what happened, how it was that this interview went so wrong. And I definitely bear, I think, the majority of the, uh, of the responsibility for that. But there's also this other thing that I was able to identify in watching it over and over again, which is that uh, th these guys in Sigur Ross are titanic assholes. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, my first appearance on Livewire, the first and last edition of Burbank on Burbank, uh, which may have been a good thing. Um, one update on the uh, Sigur Ross topic. I ran into them a couple years ago at a music festival here in the Northwest called Sasquatch. And um, I, I was a little nervous because I didn't know if they would remember me. I didn't know if this whole terrible interview loomed much larger in my experience than in theirs. Um, but I was backstage and they were walking by and I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but um, I used to do a radio show in New York and I interviewed you and it went really badly. And they lit up like an Icelandic Christmas tree. Um, they were like, oh my God. First of all, their English was vastly improved from the first time I talked to them. And they said, oh my gosh, uh, we were, we're so, we've been so mortified over that interview. We were jet lagged and nervous and, and, uh, and, and, you know, we're worried about our English and all this. And so, uh, you know, we would love to redo the interview with you sometime, um, because we, you know, we've always wanted to kind of make that right. So uh, we have yet to do that interview, but maybe someday on the live wire stage, we'll be able to get the guys from Sigaros, who, by the way, were just darling when I talked to them. Um, uh, maybe we'll be able to reunite with them on stage and present that as part of a future live wire. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to mention a couple of things. I want to thank one of our special members, Tracy Phillips of Des Moines, Washington. 
Uh, Tracy is a member of the League of Extraordinary Listeners. Now, I know you heard me say Des Moines, and you probably, if you don't live in Washington State, you're thinking, Luke, why are you mispronouncing Des Moines? It's because that's how we say it in Washington, for whatever reason. Um, so Tracy Phillips of Des Moines, thank you for supporting Livewire. Uh, that's really awesome. We could not do the show without you. If you would like to find out how you can support Livewire and become a member of our League of Extraordinary Listeners, uh, head over to livewireradio.org. Uh, we'd also like to thank our sponsor, Fully. Fully has desk, chairs, and things that keep your body moving, including their Jarvis standing desk. That's what I use when I'm on stage recording Livewire. It's such a cool piece of, uh, of furniture. Since I started using that stuff on stage, I, I'm not kidding you. I feel more engaged in what I'm doing, and I feel just a wee bit more creative, which is something you can always use when hosting a radio show. Uh, if you would like to be more engaged and more creative, uh, check out what Fully is doing over at Fully, that's F-U-L-L-Y dot com slash Livewire. All right, that is it. For this week's special summer podcast episode, uh, we will be back here very soon with some more favorites from the Livewire archive. Until we talk again, keep enjoying your summer, use the sunscreen, stay hydrated, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. PRI Public Radio International.